Hey, uh, as I said before, I love the fact that as a church, we're so generous to, uh, to those in need. But I have to say, and this will come as no surprise to some of you, that naturally, I, I'm actually a cheapskate. I, uh, I actually want to spend as little money as I uh, possibly can. Ten years ago, I needed to buy uh, a new hose for our backyard, and so I went to Bunnings, and I went to the hose section, which I must say is extensive. There are many hoses to choose from, and I saw one that looked like this, just uh, up on the screen, you know, Nilex, good brand, uh, 12 millimeter by 15 meter, millimeter, never kink garden hose. And if you read down the bottom, it lists its qualities. It's triple ply. It's 2.2 millimeters thick. It's a, it's a good quality hose and it never kinks. But it costs $50. And next to it was a hose that looked like this. Now, it was an Aqua Systems, good brand in my book, uh, 12 millimetre by 15 metre garden hose, same length, same diameter. Funny thing was, I couldn't find any of its qualities listed, but uh, it wasn't, there was no advertising there. But I'm thinking, $6.40. I mean, I could buy eight of these hoses. I, I could water the whole neighbourhood, you know, with, with the same price I, I spend on on one hose. You know, even if it only lasts a year, I could buy one of these every year for eight years and, and I'd still be in front. $6.40 for, for one hose, $49, you know, for, for the other hose. You know, I figure this is just a marketing ploy. You know, the only reason, the only reason it doesn't have all its qualities listed is they just haven't wasted their money on marketing and advertising. Uh, they're the same hose. It's just kind of like, you know, the, the Woolworths home brand, no name kind of hose, and I'm that kind of guy. I, I'm a Woolworths home brand, no name, you know, kind of guy. I'm not wasting money on advertising, so which hose did I buy? I bought the hose for $6.40. And, and the incredible thing is, it has lasted for 10 years. I, I've still got that hose in my backyard. This, this is the, the very hose that is now 10 years old. Now the only problem is, every time I go to use the hose, without fail, it kinks in multiple places. It, there's a reason this one wasn't listed as a never kink hose, because it's got incredible qualities at kinking. It's, it's very, very good. Every, every single time I've picked it up for the last 10 years, this hose has kinked. And, and I go through the motions. You know, I, I speak to the hose. And, and, and it's actually taken on a, a character. I call him Harry the Hose. And I, I speak to it like it's a person. And at first, I, depending on what time of day it is and what kind of mood I'm in, I might sweet talk the hose. I say, come on, I bought you. You know, I, I chose you over all of the other hoses. Just, just behave yourself, you know, today. And then that doesn't last very long. 
you know, then I, I, I normally try to shake the hose. And some of you have done this before. And you shake the hose and you try and get those kinks out. But they never want to come out. And, and then I, I, I often start to swear at the hose. And I say, I bought you. You know, I chose you over all the other hoses. Just be good to me today. And then over time, when that doesn't work, I start to strangle the hose and I just make more kinks in the hose. Can, can anybody here, can, can anybody here kind of, you know, understand my frustration with a hose that kinks? Put your hand up. Cheapskates. You all bought the cheap hose. Put, put your hand up if, if, you, if you don't you know, understand this frustration because you bought the good hose. Just put your hand up. Yeah, well, I hope you're all tithing as well, all right? You're spending that much money on hoses, you need to be tithing. You know, I, uh, I do get very frustrated with my hose because, you see, at, at the end of the hose, there, there is a, there's a, a free flow of water. Well, the council makes me pay for it, but it, it came, God gave it for free. And, and it's pumping, you know, out, out of that uh, tap. The tap is on, but nothing's coming out. There, there's actually water that could water my dry, dead garden. But because there's kinks in the hose, nothing comes out this end. And my garden stays dry and weary and tired. And if I leave the kinks in the hose long enough, it eventually shrivels up and dies. I actually think, I've been thinking about, as you can tell, I've been thinking about this hose for a long time. But for some time now, I've kind of pictured this hose as a bit of a picture of our lives. You see, we've all got a, a thirst in our bodies. Now, you, you know you, you, your, your physical thirst is, is very, very obvious to you. It's kind of like there's this, this, you, your, your body desperately needs water. That's why God has, has given it to us. He designed our bodies. He knew what we needed. Our, our bodies desperately need water. And when we don't give our bodies enough water, we feel thirst. It's like a low fluid level indicator for your body. You feel thirsty. Now, if you don't pay attention to your thirst, there will be consequences. If you don't listen to your thirst and begin to drink water into your body, you'll know about it soon. If you don't pay attention to your thirst, you'll know about it quickly enough. You'll start to, you'll start to not think straight. You'll get headaches and you won't be able to think clearly. Your skin, you know, will go clammy and if you, if you leave it go long enough, your internal organs will actually start to shrivel and die. You'll actually die of dehydration far quicker than most other things you can possibly die of. Your thirst is an indicator you need to put water into your body. Because God's designed your body to be filled with water for life, to live. But, but God has also designed us body, mind and soul 
He, he's actually made us just like our bodies need to be physically refreshed with water. We have a soul within us, our, our emotions and our will. That, that part of us that, that makes us us, you know, that, that gives us personality different to other personalities. We, we too have a thirst within our soul. Now, just like God has designed our, our body to be filled and refreshed with water, he's, and he's freely given it to us, he, he's actually designed our soul to be filled and refreshed by him. He actually designed us so that our soul would be filled with his spirit to refresh us spiritually, to refresh our soul. Now in Jeremiah 31, it's God says, I will refresh the weary and I'll satisfy the faint. There's many other Psalms and other places where God says, I'm a God who refreshes. When you're feeling weary on the inside, I will refresh you and I'll satisfy you when you're feeling faint. Now the problem is, just like my, my hose in the backyard and my, my, uh, my garden that desperately needs water uh, to live, when I get kinks in the hose, my, my garden stays dry and weary and gets hard. The soil dries up and it shrivels up and then eventually it will die. And that's what will happen to your body if you don't get water to it. If you don't get God's spirit, his refreshing spirit into your soul, if you if you got kinks in the hose that are stopping, stopping, you know, God filling you afresh with his Holy Spirit, you, you'll actually get hard-hearted. You, you'll get dry spiritually. You'll find yourself getting weary and having nothing left to give to others. And, and eventually. You'll shrivel up and die on the inside. You'll die spiritually. If you've got kinks that are stopping God's spirit getting into your soul. You see, God freely gives his spirit like he's freely given us water. But we get, we get kinks that actually stop us from receiving what God freely gives us. I want to talk about what some of those kinks are this morning. I want to ask this morning, is anyone here feeling kinky? <laughs> you got someone sitting next to you that's a little bit kinky, maybe. Don't put your hand up. I want to look at what are some of the things, what are some of the things that make us kinky and stop the flow of God's Spirit in our lives? And the first, first one I want to talk about this morning is resentment. You know, resentment, it kind of builds pressure within you and it poisons your soul. You know, when, when there's a kink in the hose and the hose is still on, what it does is it builds pressure up within the hose that can't get out. And, and, and it's what it's like when we allow resentment to stay in, in our hearts and in our minds there's a pressure that builds up within us and eventually it poisons our soul. 
This is actually true physically. You know, the, the scientists have done studies on this medically for our bodies. If you hold on to resentment and you, you allow resentment to build pressure and unforgiveness and bitterness to build you know, pressure within you, it'll actually be physical side effects. Blood pressure goes up, it increases heart disease, it increases risk of stroke, it increases the chance of uh, diabetes. There's all sorts of things that happen physically to you if you allow resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness to to build up within you. But, But it's also true spiritually. If you allow resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness to stay within you, there's like pressure that builds up within you. And you think you're going all right. You you think, you know, everything's going along all right until one day you just snap. And this anger just pours out of you. It just pours out of you like rage. It's been building for some time, but you've been putting on a facade for some time. And you've just been going through the motions for some time. But what happens? The pressure builds and the pressure builds. And eventually you snap and it comes out in anger or in rage. Or it comes out, words spill out of your mouth to to someone that you love. And you can't take them back once they're out. There's this resentment and unforgiveness that's built up within you and it eventually poisons your soul. It's why, it's why uh, Paul says, you know, in Ephesians 5, get rid of all anger and rage. Get rid of brawling and bitterness and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive just as Christ has forgiven you. Because he knows that resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, it builds pressure within us that is not good for our relationship with others and it's not good for our relationship with God. It's like a poison that gets into our system. And he says, what I want you to do, and this is how we get unkinked, what I want you to do is to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. You see, Jesus has forgiven you totally, completely when you didn't deserve it. Did nothing to deserve it. He went to the cross for you anyway. Totally, completely forgave you. And what Paul is saying is if you want to get unkinked, you you actually, you want to stop that build up of pressure within you and start to allow the flow of God's spirit through your life. Forgive. Actually, let it go. Forgive just as Christ has forgiven you. Some of us see what we're tempted to do. We're tempted to think that if I stay bitter, I'll get better. But it's never true. If I stay bitter with this person, I'll feel better. It's not true. It's like a toxic poison. That, that, that builds up within your soul and, and you begin to die from the roots. And it talks about in the scriptures, it says get rid of the, the, the root of bitterness in your life. It'll kill you. Get, get rid of it. You know, forgiving as Christ has forgiven us isn't easy. And you, you're looking at, you're thinking of someone right now Some of you are thinking of a family member or a friend who's really hurt you, really ripped you off. 
and there's a resentment, there's a bitterness there, there's an unforgiveness you don't want to let go of. You think they don't deserve it. They, they don't. That's true. But neither do you. you. You don't deserve to hold on to that poison. God doesn't want it for you. He, he doesn't want you to hold on to that toxic poison within your soul that will stop the flow of God's Spirit. You see, resentment builds pressure within you and it poisons your soul. And what Jesus is calling us to do, what God instructs us to do in Scripture is to release forgiveness and to refresh your soul. And that's what some of you need to do this morning. You actually need to release forgiveness. Let God unkink that blockage in your soul and allow him to refresh your soul. You know, resentment builds up pressure within you and it poisons your soul. As you release forgiveness, God will refresh your soul. Secondly, relentless busyness makes your soul weary. You know, hard work is good. Productivity is good. Seasons of busyness are actually good. Relentless busyness is not good. You know, relentless busyness is not good for your body. Your body cannot cope with relentless work. You need sleep or you will die. You know, my, my daughter turned 21 last night. We had a 21st last night. Those young people didn't want to sleep. They didn't want to go home. And right now, this morning, I'm feeling like I might die. I, I haven't had enough sleep. I love sleep. It's a gift from God. You know... When your body gets weary, it's a sign that you need rest. Relentless busyness is not good for your body, nor is it good for your soul. Your soul needs rest. Now, when you stop and think about it, you actually know this. If you give and give and give and give and give and give without stopping, you know that eventually... You're not just going to be physically depleted, but you're going to be emotionally and spiritually depleted and you've got nothing left to give. You get to a point where you've just got nothing left to give. Now the problem is we live in a culture that wears busyness as a badge of honour. You know, you go up, I guarantee this has probably already happened this morning. And even though I say it now, it'll happen after church because we're so conditioned to it. You'll go up to someone and, and you'll say, how are you going? And their words just come out of their mouth, uh, being really busy. And we pat them on the back. Hey, she's such a hard worker. This badge of honor. Now, imagine you go up to someone this morning and they say, oh, I've just been taking it pretty easy, actually. Not been doing too much at all. Now, we might say something nice and Christian and say, oh, good for you. What we're thinking in our hearts is, you're a loser. <laughs> what, what a loser. Taking it easy, you should be busy. Because busy is good. Busy, badge of honour. I tell you, some of you, some of you are soul weary. You may not feel quite this weary yet, but you know you're on the way. You're soul weary because of relentless busyness. 
You just got caught up in the culture of busyness and you are depleted on the inside and you got nothing left to give. You got nothing left to offer anybody else. This is what Jesus says to you. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For some of you this morning, that sounds really good. He's not talking about when we die. It's true when we die, but it's also true when we're alive. Come to me and you'll find rest for your souls. If you're soul weary this morning, you've got nothing left to give. It's like you're all kinked up on the inside and you just haven't been filled for a long time. And you know you've, you've, as, you, as you're not being filled and you've, you're all kinked up, you've got nothing left to give either. You've got, you got nothing to bless others with. You're depleted on the inside. Now the sad reality is we often stay busy even though we know that because we don't want to stop and reflect on what's really happening on the inside. The pain and the hurt, the disappointments that are there. So if you just stay busy for long enough, you can ignore the lack of fulfillment and ignore the lack of joy, ignore the lack of purpose and just stay busy so you don't have to think about the empty void that's within you. And so busyness, and this is true people, busyness can become an addiction just like any other addiction. It's not always work. You've all heard the term workaholic and sometimes for some of you that's what busyness means but it doesn't have to be work. You can stay busy and not pay any attention to your soul with, even without working. You just keep ignoring that empty void within you. So busyness becomes an addiction just like any other addiction. And you hope that staying busy will fill that void, but it never does, it's never enough. You're always left thirsty for more. Some, some of you are soul weary because of relentless busyness. There's just nothing getting through to bless somebody else. You, you've not rested to receive, and so you've got nothing left to give out. What Jesus offers you is rest for your soul. See, relentless busyness makes you soul weary, but rest in God and he will refresh your soul. Can I encourage you if you're feeling soul weary? One of the things you can do to unkink that hose so you can be a blessing to others, so you're no longer depleted on the inside. Can I encourage you? This, I've been, I'm trying to draw some parallels between our body and our soul today. What, what if we all, what, what if we all learned to rest with God as regularly as we learnt to rest our body? Now, pretty much most of us here, once a day, would rest our body to be refreshed physically. What if once a day in 2018, we, we made a decision to rest with God in some way, in his word, in prayer, in worship, music? We rested with God as regularly as we rested our bodies. Maybe we'd be refreshed spiritually and we could be a blessing to others. Thirdly, this is going to come as a surprise to some people, 
but religion actually leaves your soul dry. Yeah, resentment builds pressure within, poisons your soul. Yeah, relentless busyness makes your soul weary. Religion, religion leaves your soul dry. You see, the heart of God, as I read before, way back in the old book of Jeremiah, and if you read through the Psalms, a similar story, the heart of God has always been to refresh his people, both physically and spiritually, but never with religion. You see, the heart of religion says if you participate in the right ritual, if you follow the right code of behaviour, if you follow the right formula, then you will be right with God and you'll receive a blessing from Him in this life or the next. That, that's the heart of religion. But, but what Jesus is trying to make really, really plain over and over again is that there is no ritual that will make you right with God. That there is no behaviour that will make you right with God. That there is no formula that you can follow that makes you right with God. Lifeless rituals, behaviour checklists, soulless formulas will leave you feeling empty and dry spiritually. It's one of the things that makes you kinky. You know, Jesus is at a religious festival You know, we couldn't today picture how many religious rituals were going on, how many religious symbols there would have been all around him. Everywhere he looked, there was religious symbols. There was rituals that they followed year after year. And they they were good things in and of themselves. Sorry, they were good things, but not in and of themselves. They're only good things if, if they drew people into a place of connection with God. And as Jesus is at, at this festival, and it's a festival called the Feast of Tabernacles, it was one of their big religious festivals for the year. And and every day the the priest, one of the the three jobs the priest had was was to go down to the pool of Siloam with a big golden, a special religious golden flagon and get some water out of the pool and come back, you know, into into the temple. And there was an altar with these big uh, silver bowls which led to a funnel which went down to this elaborate, ornate uh, altar. And, And the water would be poured into those silver bowls and onto the altar and the people would remember what God had done in the past they'd remember the way that God gave them water when they were in the desert to keep them alive physically and they remember when uh, the last years they've just harvested their crops that God gave water from the sky and enabled their crops to grow and he fed them for another year That that was a good ritual But right in the middle, it says on the last and the greatest day of the feast, on the the last day, they wouldn't just pour the the water out once, but the the trumpets would blow and they'd walk around, the priest would walk around the altar seven times. And there'd be huge pomp and ceremony. And the trumpets would blow, incredible ritual. Right at that point, the people, what the people would do as, as, a, as the uh, priests walking around the altar with this water ready to be poured out, they, they'd, they'd yell out, they'd cry out in a loud voice this Hebrew word which means save now. Save now. Save now. They'd be looking back at what God had done in the past and thanking him, but they'd be looking to the future and saying, oh God, would you save us now? Would you send your Messiah? 
Would you save us? It's right at that point. Jesus stands. And it says he does it in a loud voice. He actually cries out. At that point, as that water's being poured out, he says, if anybody here is thirsty, if any of you is spiritually thirsty, come to me and drink. And it'll be like, if you believe in me, it'll be like streams of living water flowing from within you. Let's listen to what it says next. Because John, John wants everyone to be clear about what Jesus was talking about. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. He's saying there will be a day. There will be a day when my, the Spirit of God will be poured out and, and you won't just have to come to this seven or eight day ritual once a year. But my Spirit will be poured out in such a powerful way that you won't have to be spiritually thirsty anymore. He says, I, I, I will fulfill your thirst. There'll be, there'll be such streams of living water flowing into you that it'll flow out of you too. And you'll be a blessing to others. You see, religion leaves your soul dry. But Jesus... Jesus comes to bring us into a relationship with God that will refresh our soul. You see, Jesus wasn't a clever teacher teaching us some new formulas for success. Jesus wasn't just a rabbi teaching a new religion for people to follow. You know, Jesus Christ was the saviour. He's the one that they'd been praying for for hundreds of years. Every year at the Feast of Tabernacles, they've been praying for the Saviour to come. Come now. Oh God, would you come save us now? And Jesus is standing up at that very point and he says, I'm here. I've come to save you. I've come to satisfy your thirst. You see, in the months to come, probably about, about six months later, Jesus walked on those same streets. But this time he carried a cross, a different festival. And he's carrying a cross and he was nailed to that cross. He was nailed to a cross so that the sins that once separated us from a real relationship with God and left us with nothing but religion were wiped away. And we could come into a relationship with God we could become like Jesus. We, we could know the Father the way that he knows the Father because he took our place on the cross and took our sin for us. He came to give you a relationship with God. He didn't come to teach you another religion to follow. You see, religion will leave your soul dry. It'll make you kinky. But relationship with God will refresh your soul. And lastly, repetitive sin. Repetitive sin will deaden your soul. Just doing the same thing over and over again, it actually is not good for your body. There's a thing called repetitive strain injury. And some of you, some of you might have that. Anyone here got tennis elbow? You know, playing too much tennis. Some of you, your knees are all worn out and weary from, from running too much and uh, you can no longer run. Some, some of you, I'm sure, your knees are worn out from praying too much. You know, it's repetitive. 
strain injury, getting down on your knees. It's not good for your body just doing the same thing over and over again. But some of us here, we're, we're doing, we're committing the same sin over and over again. And it's not good for your soul. You know, repetitive sin deadens your soul. And sin is any activity or any attitude that misses the mark of what God designed for you. It's anything that's it's motivated by our selfish nature rather than our godly nature, rather than the Spirit of God at work within us. And it might be spending money selfishly. It might be drinking excessively. It might be putting others down to make yourself feel better. It might be sexual immorality. You know, it, could, it, could be, it could be just ongoing anger and rage and unforgiveness. The, the list goes on. But it's anything that you know in your heart, it deadens your soul to God. You know when you do it, you're racked with guilt. And it deadens your soul to God. And some of you are doing the same thing over and over again, hoping that this time it'll make you feel good. This time it'll satisfy the spiritual thirst within you. And it never does. It just makes you kinky and thirsty for more. You see, sin makes your soul dead to God. Now, this is the good news, people. The good news is you only say spiritually dead for as long as you keep your back turned on God. You know, we look at a plant like this and we say, it's got no hope. Well, that's probably true. But even if spiritually you feel like this, because Jesus is one who has power over death, he can come back from the dead, and he puts his resurrection power within us when we put our faith in him as Lord and Saviour, even if you feel like this spiritually, there's still hope for you. Because sin only deadens your soul to God for as long as you turn your back on God, for as long as you try and ignore that that's the state of your soul and you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, hoping that your way will make you feel better. This is what Peter says one of the first times he preaches the gospel. Acts chapter 3, Peter is speaking to the people that actually crucified Jesus. And he says, you, you killed the author of life. You, you, you put him to death on a cross, but God raised him from the dead. Then he says this, there's still hope for you. Even though you killed the author of life, there's still hope for you. This is what he says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And listen to this, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is good news, people. The offer is open to everybody. It was open to the people who killed Jesus. It's open to you. Times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I want to say this morning, if you're sick of sin that never satisfies your soul but leaves you dead to God, repent of your sin and let God refresh your soul. You see, when you repent of your sin, your sins are wiped out, you come into a real relationship with God 
And God gives us his spirit to drink. And the Holy Spirit is like water to your soul. I told you I hate this hose. (laughs) Here we go. I knew it was coming. Holy Spirit. It's like water to your soul. And this is a good bit is. It's open to everybody, even the people who killed Jesus. You know, get to receive this forgiveness, receive this relationship with God and be refreshed spiritually. But the good news is, it's not just a one-off deal. We get to drink and keep on drinking. Just like your body, just like your body, you know, it needs, you know, water over and over again to be refreshed. You need the Holy Spirit to come and fill you over and over again to keep being refreshed so that you can be a blessing to others. It'll produce, if you keep drinking of the Spirit, it'll produce fruit in your own life. But, but God, Jesus promises that it'll be like streams of living water flowing from within us. So it won't just bless us personally, but we'll be so filled up, we get to be a blessing to others. I tell you, I remember the first time, I was, I was 21 years old, or maybe I was only 20 actually, and it was the first time I was filled with the Spirit. I just knew, I just got thirsty for God, and I just remember saying, God, I want more of you. It was, it was one of those defining moments in my life where God filled me afresh with his Holy Spirit. There was, this, this, there was this new power within me, this new energy within me, this new love within me. I still remember leaning. Way, I, was, I, was, I was somewhere where I, I eventually needed to go to the toilet and uh, I just remember leaning on the, the toilet wall, waiting to get in, waiting in line. I just remember turning to the guy next to me and saying, oh, geez, I love God. He's so good. I don't know how often you've had that conversation when you're waiting for the toilet. But I tell you, I, I, I was just so filled with the Spirit of God. I just couldn't, I just, nothing could have stopped me from talking about how good He was. I just wanted to let people know. I tell you, it's one of the cues for me. When I start losing just sort of love and power and energy and belief that God can use me to minister to people, I know my soul is starting to get dry and weary and hard and God wants to refresh my soul. It's one of the things that reminds me I've not been drinking of His Spirit and He wants to fill me afresh with His Spirit. I believe it's what God wants to do for a bunch of us here today. It's kind of less a time of refreshing. Just allowing the Spirit of God to come and fill us afresh because we're thirsty. And, and maybe we already feel dry and dead and weary and hard-hearted or maybe we're just saying we never want to become like that. We want to be fruitful people. We want to be, we want to be people that are a blessing to others out of the overflow of the Spirit of God in our lives. Can I encourage you to drink and keep on drinking? Right at the end of the Bible, Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come. If you want life-giving water, come and take it. It's free. No limits. You can freely receive the Holy Spirit without measure. You can drink and keep on drinking. You see, this is the good thing about God. This is the good thing about the, the, the outpouring of His Spirit in our lives. 
It's only you that puts measure on it. It's only resentment. It's only things like religious thinking, relentless busyness, repetitive sin. It's their own doing. God just loves to pour out His Spirit. He loves to fill us afresh. I love this little picture in Isaiah 44. It says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. God is saying, I will. I will pour out my spirit on dry, weary, thirsty, even spiritually dead people and I'll make them alive and they'll become fruitful and life-giving, just full of life and energy and power and they will be a blessing for generations to come. That's the kind of people I know God wants us to become. That's why God loves to just pour out His Spirit in our lives. Let's pray this morning. Father God, thank You. Thank You that You're such a generous God. Thank You, the God who just loves to pour out Your Spirit into thirsty hearts, into thirsty souls. God, this morning, we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We, we know You're here. You're welcome here. We ask you to come and have your way in our lives. Come and refresh our souls. Make us more like Jesus. Fill us with life. Fill us with power. Fill us with love. Fill us with energy. Make us more like you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand together. We're going to sing this morning. And it's a song. It's a thirsty song. It's saying, God, I thirst after you. God, I want more of you. God, I come and drink of what you've got to give me. We, I, this morning, is this going to be some time to hang out down the front here, just to linger with God and just to let people pray over you? There's a bunch of you here just thirsty for God this morning. You're saying, God, I want that. I want you to come and refresh my soul. We want to find a way of praying for all of you. Just, we just want to just speak life and truth and love. We want to just let God's Spirit do His work. I'm just going to encourage you to come and just linger with God a little. Some people will just start to wander around, some of our pastors and prayer team, and just pray over you. But just come and hang out with God. Just say, God, I want you. God, by your Spirit, come do your work in my heart. Come on, just come. Just come when you're ready as we sing. Come on, come on, just come. Father God, that is our prayer. God, you'd come and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. God, I want to pray that for all of us this morning, that you would come, fill us afresh with your Spirit, fill us with life, fill us with love, fill us with truth, fill us with grace, fill us with power. God, I want to pray for, for parents here this morning, just wanting to bless their kids, wanting to bless their families. God, would you fill, fill 
us afresh with your Holy Spirit. God, as we rest in you, as we submit ourselves to you, as we come to you and receive from you, God, would you give us new energy, new courage, new power to be a blessing to our families, to see, to see our kids thrive and grow. God, I pray, I pray that you would fill some parents here afresh with your spirit this morning. God, that we might, you might pour, pour your spirit out on dry and thirsty ground, that life would come. God, I pray for new life to come, new life to emerge, where it looks like things are dead, where it looks like there's no hope for the future where it looks like kids have turned their back on God and won't come back. God, I pray. I pray for hope to emerge. I pray for new life to begin to be seen. God, I pray for a fruitfulness in families. God, I pray for families to turn back to you. God, for eyes to be opened to see the truth of who you are. God, where it looks like something is dead and buried. God, that you would bring new life that you would bring your resurrection life. God, would you speak life into families this morning? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.